Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. <gasps> I didn't see you there. I did see you there. Oh, yeah, I, I saw you too. <laughs> I knew you were there. You're not that yeah. sneaky. I mean, <clears throat> we're in the same house at the same table. We're at a table facing each other. Yeah. I was going to see you. If we didn't see each other, then we might need to go get our eyes checked. That's true. Yes, there could be a serious issue. Hey, what up? It's Goose Chase. <laughs> this is the Goose Chase podcast where we sometimes talk about our eye conditions. Mm-hmm. We haven't done this in two weeks. Two weeks. Sorry about that. So it is time. Um, yes. A couple of weeks ago, we had a surprise party in the house yes. and uh, surprised your pants off. Yeah, so um, that was a very nice, sweet thing that Dave did. Um, that I've been wanting for a long time. Yeah, that was fun. And hinting at strongly. Um, it was a lot of fun, and I really appreciated it. It mm-hmm. just so happened that I had had the worst possible day yep. ever. So when I arrived at the door and opened it, and it was dark, and people turned the lights on and jumped out and yelled surprise, my little brain broke. Yep. <laughs> and didn't know how to take the turn from the worst possible day mm-hmm. to the best possible thing ever. Y- yeah, you so immediately, I immediately started, crying. started crying, and I called them all fuckers <laughs> in front of Dave's parents, <laughs> that, that, which is not a thing I would normally do. They did, to their credit, they didn't say anything. They said like, nothing. Oh, oh, they did, I didn't see them go. Oh my! You know? No, I mean clearly, I was having a mental breakdown. <laughs> So, which is like, you fuckers. Which, by the way, I have video of. So maybe at our 100 subscriber <laughs> special, we can we can release that video sure. of you crying <laughs> and just I had a terrible day. And then for some reason, I was thinking I've been thinking about this. You it's like, kept recording, I, right? I've been thinking about this. Like, why didn't I stop recording? And I guess like I just kind of thought it was like. Oh, happy tears. And You didn't, in your defense, you didn't know how horrible of a day I'd had. No, no Nobody did. did because you couldn't tell me, hey, we're having a surprise party for right. you. Be in a good mood. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like you can't tell someone no show up in a good mood. No one could have predicted what had happened to me that day yeah. would happen to a me. catastrophic series of ugliness. myself. Yeah. Basically finding out that someone... What you thought of someone that you kind of trusted was entirely wrong. It's yeah. just a bad thing to happen. So Not great. It was a really, really horrible day. Well, it's we okay. have the video, and we'll gladly share it with you. <laughs> we'll share it with all of you. We honestly don't even want to watch it. No, we haven't watched it yet. I don't think I will. I don't think I'll delete it either. Don't though. delete it in case I decide I want to Some, hate myself. <laughs> well, because someday in the future, it won't seem Maybe like that big a Maybe it'll be funny deal. again. Yeah. Uh, who knows? But... But the party was very nice, and it was very thoughtful, and I really appreciated you doing that. And that's why we didn't do the podcast two weeks ago. Yes. And then we were busy. I was busy crying, then not crying, then eating cake and getting presents. Yeah, which was super great. Yeah. They surprised the pants right off me. Your pants One fell minute, immediately off. Wearing pants. Everyone the was funny, like, oh, my God. And the then you were like, oh, thing, no. The funny thing is, is that my scrub pants don't fit me well. <laughs> So it wouldn't be that weird for them to just fall clean off. Easy now. Um, speaking of that <laughs> surprise party, yeah, I'm wearing my very own headphones. That's right. It's courtesy of Chris Chris Brewer. Chris Brewer. Oh, Chris um, Brewer. 
Oh, Before great, I you. was wearing Chris Brady's headphones, right. so, <laughs> <laughs> so he bought me my own. Yeah, which is very nice of him. It was very nice, and he also got himself a nice new set of headphones. So yeah, he wins. replaced the ones that I did not break. For the record, they were already broken. I didn't yeah. know it, but if anyone remembers that episode, I was like, "Oh no, I broke these." <clears throat> yeah, um, it and, wasn't me. And then last week, we just I I just couldn't do it realistically. You you had an existential horrible yeah. crisis, which I take thing. responsibility for. But I just I was sitting there and I just could not get myself to yeah. not be miserable for days. Actually, yeah, it actually lasted about three or four days before I kind of came out of the. I funk. think Sunday was the first time that yeah yeah sort of came out of it. Uh, and that's weird. And I, I know I got to do something about this you do. business, but anyways, I, I do, I do You're apologize not alone for, in it, but we had something we can work on. Yeah. But I, basically I apologize. I just couldn't get it together, but now we're here. We're here. And it's it a almost, week after that. It almost didn't happen. We had some hot dogs. <laughs> there we there were hot there dogs. There were involved. hot dogs and that's all I know. <clears throat> yeah. We uh we pushed this one pretty late. I expected we would be done around eight tonight and it is nine nineteen and, and we we're are just, just starting. starting. Yeah. But, so oh, that's sorry. not great. In our defense, um we don't work tomorrow. Right. Because Be- it's Thanksgiving and we don't have any real plans until four. So what are, what are we thankful for this year? <sighs> yeah. Oh, you're gonna spring that on I'm me. A, I'm gonna the, throw a curveball at you. Eve of Thanksgiving. What are we thankful for? I for one am, am thankful for the brand new hot dog establishment in Austin Town that is gonna supply me with hot dogs for a long time. Yeah. Their name is Hot Dog Alley. Hot Dog Alley. Not spelled, spelled like the name. Yeah, not spelled like an alleyway, but spelled A L L I E. Um, they're very good. I liked the corn dog. Mm-hmm. We had we had some mixed results with the dogs, but they're pretty good dogs. Their chili is really good. Chili is very good, and it looks and tastes like homemade chili. It doesn't look like it came from a can, and it doesn't look like what you expect chili and cheese to look like from a fast food establishment. Yeah, it's not like it's crazy not like orange. neon orange. Yeah, right. Um, not to say that I wouldn't ingest that willingly and with delight. <laughs> But just saying, this is not that. Right. Um, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, the, good. The waffle fries were, we did like chili cheese waffle fries. They could have been crispier. Mm. Could have been crispier, but Take still that. good. <laughs> Everything was good that I had. It was good. Uh, that's, I'm thankful for <laughs> I that. I had mac and cheese on a hot dog. Yeah, they put mac and cheese it on a hot dog. It was a chili dog. mac and cheese dog. That's a good idea. Yeah. it It was good. It wasn't. It didn't knock my socks off. If there's one thing I expect, it's to have my socks forcibly removed from my body. Buy a hot dog. Buy a hot dog. Yes. Need to write that down. Forcibly <laughs> remove socks from body <clears throat> by oh, hot yeah. dog. Um, last weekend, we did something I was very excited for. Is this related to things we're thankful for? Oh, wait. I need to be thankful you for guys, something. I need to hear I'm your sorry. It's almost Thanksgiving. We can't push this to the back <sighs> of the program. True, it's true. We um, need to get this thankfulness out of the way. I am thankful for you. Oh, that's sweet. And I'm thankful. You were thankful for I'm hot thankful dogs. for hot dogs. I'm thankful for you. <laughs> um, I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful for our friends. Mm-hmm. Me and, too. And uh, their support and encouragement yeah. and friendship. And um, they're good people. I and agree. I am glad to have them 
And I would be a very different person if I didn't have the group that we have. I agree. I'm really grateful for my friends. And basically, you know, a good half of those friends are listening to this right now. So thank you. Thank you. For being If you a listen friend. to this, thank you for being a friend. <laughs> yeah. You were going yes, to say? That's, that was it. Okay. Was it? Oh, the thing I was going to say before, I forgot to be thankful. What? <laughs> oh, okay. We're the, changing the gears. The thing I was okay. saying before I forgot sure. to be thankful okay. was that um, we went to do a thing last weekend. Uh, it was a Gilmore Girls themed event in Akron. Now, everything about this event made it seem like they were turning lock three, mm-hmm. which is like the place in Akron where they do all the events. It's essentially... Like an open park area. Yeah. Along the river. They do like concerts and sporting events and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, that they're turning Lock 3 into Stars Hollow. So in my mind, they're turning Lock 3 into Stars Hollow. It's well, going it's, to look like Stars Hollow. It seemed that way because they said they were going to turn Lock 3 into, into Stars, Stars Hollow. Hollow. So right. I was very excited. I wanted it to be magical. I told you several times. I was like, I just thought it was going to be magical. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, it's funny because when you say that, it almost sounds like oh, a little sad and like, oh, well, who would expect it to be magical? Except, of course, we all want things to be magical. <laughs> right. Like, like when I you just, say it out loud, it almost sounds silly, but it is really how we work, isn't it? I just wanted to walk into it and be like, oh, my God, this is like so close to yeah. the show that I loved yeah. and watched At for least years. Some like, it doesn't have to be perfect. I'm not thinking like this town is going to look just like it, but that they tried, like, yeah, even slightly resembled it would have been really awesome. Yeah. And it just, it was the first time for the event and they were not expecting the number of people that they got. And it was kind of disappointing. I stood in line for an hour and a half to get coffee from the Luke's. Right. And it was a shipping container that they sell beer out of normally, mm-hmm. but they sold uh, coffee and hot chocolate. They had been selling pie from a local bakery. However, they were already sold out of the pie. Mm-hmm. This event only went from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. And over a thousand people said on face on the Facebook event said they were going. Seven thousand people said they were interested. Yeah. So just to give you an idea, of the kind of interest that it generated, I would probably estimate the attendance was uh, like between five to six hundred people. Also, oh, we didn't stay the whole time. Right. And it's like an event you could go in and out of, and there were people <clears throat> doing parts of it, like the trivia that we didn't even go over there. So yeah. We didn't even see the full grasp of how many people were involved. But ming. the best, the funniest thing that happened. Oh, my God. The, so the, the I bought us coffee. Us. I bought us coffee. I was going to get pie, but they were out of it. Um, They didn't. I got popcorn. They weren't selling any food other than, like, the pie and the popcorn. So I was like, okay, I'm going to need something. So they had, it said they had s'mores. And I was like, oh. That's good. And I'm like, do you still have s'mores? They're like, yeah. So they they hand it to me. I give them my money and everything. And I move over to the side waiting for my popcorn. And I'm standing there and Dave walks up to me and he looks at my wares that I've just purchased. 
And I hold up a bag containing Hershey's chocolate, two graham crackers, and a raw marshmallow. And I say, I asked for a s'more. And they gave me this. And I just lost it. Like, it was so funny to me. That is not a s'more. That is s'mores ingredients. I immediately died laughing. We laughed so hard we, in the. We did that great thing that you do with someone where you know you're the only two people <laughs> that could possibly appreciate the thing you're laughing at, and you're just intensifying each other's laughter. Yeah. What made it better though is while we were in line, um, our friends who we haven't seen in a little while, <coughs> Jimmy and Natalie, mm-hmm. um, said they like said hi. We didn't know they were going to be there, and we started talking to them. They were in line behind us then. And they ordered, they didn't hear me order or see what I got. They did the same thing. And afterwards, we're standing there and they had the same reaction we did where they're like, they gave me this. And I was like, oh, my God, yes, you find this as ridiculous as I do. Yeah, I feel like I've told this story to enough people now that it's like I'm almost burned out on telling it. But because this is a podcast and people haven't heard this, I will say this. I have a long-standing feud with the city of Akron, and this just cemented it for me. This was where I was like, no, actually, I think I have the final confirmation I need that Akron fucking blows. And I've been saying this for so long that I I, really, I wasn't even surprised. I think the possibly most uh, disappointing part was that this, the whole event, the whole thing, of course, it was Gilmore Girls <coughs> themed and for the fans, but the whole thing was to generate, like, bringing people to Akron. It to was to boost tourism. Boost tourism in Akron. Now, here's the thing. Which it, did happen. It did happen. It took place on a Sunday. <laughs> Everything was closed. Every food establishment was closed, and the event did not provide food. So, there's a yep. bunch of people, some who traveled at least two hours... Uh, that's really that's sad to me who came to a city for an event it wasn't really what they wanted and then they couldn't even find food anywhere in akron because every food establishment was closed what happened to us was that our friend jimmy hadn't eaten i hadn't eaten that much although i did have cake for breakfast that day (laughs) (laughs) Gloss right over that. (laughs) Moving on. I might be spiraling. Let's not talk about it. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, like basically we're in the lock. El Gato, the taco shop, is closed. Baxter's is closed. There's like a peanut Uh, shop. peanut shop. They're not open. Uh, Pretty sure Lockview wasn't actually open. Um, Yeah. Baxter, uh, Barley House, which is an Irish bar and restaurant, is packed with people for trivia. So yeah. all the places immediately close are closed. Yeah. And then we start, we, I look at our friends and I'm like, hey, let's ditch this. Let's try to find some food. Yeah. So we go on a mission to do that. Every place we look up is closed because it's Sunday. Yeah. And we decide to go to some places that you're familiar with because you work there. Yeah. Every single one. There's like three within a walking di- Like we park and there's three within walking distance. All three are closed. Yeah. We're at this point, I look across the street and see a brewery that we passed before that is clearly open and go, I don't think we're finding food. Screw Let's drink it. 
our calories. We are gonna drink <laughs> yes. after all. I'm, honestly, we went through like nine options. Yeah, and everything is closed. There was on a even damn one. Sunday. There was even one that was like on the internet. It said it was open, but we had passed it, and it was clearly closed. So it's like <laughs> we couldn't win. And oh, I'm like, yeah. you don't win in Akron. Like on I've, a, I, I, I decided. My the way I define Akron is a city that wants to be a small sleepy town. Like it can't it can't make its mind up if it wants to be quaint and be close everything closed on a Sunday or if it wants to be a city. Yeah. Or the thing is realistically it's the downtown. Yeah. I can't speak for the whole city. But the downtown clearly no one lives there. You would think it would be open because it's right next to the University of Akron campus. Yeah. There are a shit ton of, you know, kids with, with you know, money to spend on food or whatever, uh, you know, nah, university cards. Money. You know, you get university cards. <laughs> you can take them down to restaurants and stuff like that. Like they have like there's things that they could be doing. Yeah. There is nothing servicing them on a Sunday. I don't get it. I really don't. Except that brew pub. Except that brew pub. <laughs> what was their name again? What? The, uh, the uh, trivia place? No, the brewery that we went oh, to. Oh, well, we went to, yeah, we went to the brew pub, which is Acronym. Uh, A-K-R-O-N-Y-M. And clever. when I first saw it, I was like, bah. Yeah. But then I was so grateful to them. <laughs> it, uh, it. And their beer was good. It was good. It was good beer. It was Acronym the only place that would take us. was not disappointing. Right. Their beer was very good. Mm-hmm. They did not have food because that's not what they do. I wish they had food. Not right. their problem. Not their fault. Akron. Not their fault. Why are you, why is everything closed on a Sunday? Akron, why do you hate people's business? Planners of this event, why did you choose a Sunday when you're bringing tourists into the city and there's nothing for us to tour? We should note, because we should be fair, it was a free event. It was free, How and it was their expect? first time planning it. I, yes. I'm not trying to be too tough on them. It's just it was silly. Like, it was a fucking wreck. It was, we waited an hour and a half for a cup of coffee. And the real reason I'm disappointed is because I was so excited. I know. That's really what it is. Your expectations, but your expectations and everyone else's were built on what they said they were going to do. Yes. We didn't even mention the hay maze. By far the funniest thing. (laughs) It was supposed to be a hay maze. And what it actually was, was a square made of hay bales, one bale high. One bale high. That you can see over you can see the entire maze from any point in the maze okay. there's never a chance of getting lost in it if anyone so th- the this is obviously a reference to the show and there's an episode of the show where <laughs> where the character taylor who's like a busybody type who runs everything in the town um decides he's going to have a hay bale maze for one of the like big festivals they have yeah. during the summer so he goes a little crazy with it and gets real into it. But because he spends all of the budget on hay for this giant maze that takes up the entire town, um, they can't have anything else at the festival. So the festival is just a hay bale maze. Yeah. Um, and it ends up being like a really funny episode. And it turns out like everyone's like, actually, this is really fun. And they yeah. just like go with it. Accurately the opposite. Yeah. But in that, the maze is so high that you can literally get lost in it. And they have like flags for people to throw up when they get lost. Yeah, because that's what a hay maze is. Right. 
That's this what a was, maze is. You, this was not that. You, it, um, in order to be a maze, you have to not <laughs> be able to see what's outside of it. Yes. That makes it a maze. Oh, and then we were we just kept talking about the fact that if I had been in charge, I would have <laughs> had my credit card company would have been calling me suspecting fraudulent charges because they're like, uh, you spent five thousand dollars on hay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that, that was, was me. me. That, was, that was definitely me. Hmm. OK. Um, also, like, are, are you going to need some lightly used hay after tomorrow? Because I'm going to have a lot. We are going to have literally mountains of gently used hay. <laughs> gently used hay. Is my favorite. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, that was that was this weekend. That was a kind of a bummer, but whatever. You know, I mean, people tried to do a thing. They absolutely failed, but it was free, so whatever. Yeah, you can't be that mad at people. I unless want... you came from two hours away <sighs> and you starved. <laughs> I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I do want to go back if they do it again. Sure. Maybe I uh, want to have faith that it will be better. If we do that, we go early, we assess the situation, and maybe we just get a pizza and leave. But I mean, we have if we different can expectations. find a pizza place open. Oh, you just have to leave Akron. Oh, that's true. Um, <laughs> I mean, that was basically while I was standing in, while we were standing in line for coffee. I looked at you and went, "Let's wait a little bit longer. Hopefully, get some coffee. Right? Maybe watch the rest of whatever episode of the show is." playing at the time yeah and then let's cut out and get some food it's only because we ran into friends that we stayed any longer than we did and it's and then we ended up basically doing what we said we were going to with them yeah aside from the fact that they made we it couldn't worthwhile. find food they were the best part of the day and i had a really fun day despite mm -hmm. all that despite being disappointed in the event i had a really good time with them and it was worth us going and hanging out because we got to hang out with two cool people yeah. so Yay. Yay. So let's move this along. Let's move it's this really along. time. Do you know what it's time for? I think I know what it's time for. I bet you know what it's time for. Are we for. about to play a game? We're going to play a game. We're about to play Yahtzee? No. Connect Four? No. Monopoly? Mm -mm. Checkers? Mm -mm. Chinese checkers? No, still kind of checkers. Doesn't count. Okay. Uh, could it be time for the, the news quiz? The one that's sweeping the nation. Oh, that one. Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. All right. Yeah, it's time for Trues and Fnews. It's time for Trues and Fnews. Let's do it. You ready for this? I think I'm ready for this. <clears throat> it's been a while. I'm a little bit rusty. I think I, I, think I could do something here. I think you can right. eke out a win. We're doing stretches. <laughs> You're doing like the wavy? I know what I'm doing. I'm doing like a wavy thing. Weird thing. Okay. I'm channeling, I'm channeling all my, 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 uh, my most uh, fluid energy. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. First headline. What do we got? Unbreakable smart lock devastated to discover screwdrivers exist. <laughs> okay. That Second, sounds real. That sounds really real. Second headline. Due to data entry error, uh, this is this was supposed to be more topical, but we haven't done this in two weeks. Yeah. Due to data entry error, Indiana voters' Democratic choice for Senate was Instagram famous dog Joe Doggley rather than human candidate Joe Donnelly. <laughs> okay, I'm not convinced that's not it, but go on. Third one, Minnesota man arrested for driving motorized lawn chair on highway. Oh, that's tough, because that definitely happens all the time. But does it happen in Minnesota? 
and oh, are they arrested? Oh, it definitely happens in Minnesota <laughs> all the time, and people get arrested for it. The question is just if it happened this time. I, 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 uh, I I'm wagging my finger at that one because I'm like, oh, that happens. All right. Like a motorized lawn chair? Lawn chair. I thought you said like like a motorized wheelchair. No. No, okay. not that. Never mind. Okay. You take, you wait those words. Okay. Let's recap. <laughs> okay. Uh, Un- let's hear it. Unbreakable smart lock devastated to discover screwdrivers exist. Hmm. Second one. Sorry, you got a little phlegmy there. Uh, due to data entry error, Indiana voters' Democratic choice for Senate was Instagram famous dog Joe Doggley rather than human candidate Joe Donnelly. Hmm, and last okay. one, Minnesota man arrested for driving a motorized lawn chair on the highway. Okay. You know what? Actually, when you were telling me that, for some reason, I wasn't even picturing a motorized lawn chair or wheelchair. I was picturing a guy on a lawnmower. Yes, I figured you might have been. <laughs> That's a thing that happens. Yeah. No, this is a lawn chair. Okay. With a motor on hmm. the highway. I got to go with my gut. What's your gut say? I feel like the smart lock is the thing. I feel I know this has happened before. I just it's I know it in my heart. Your heart is correct. Yes. Woo. But now now it's been so long that I don't think I even have that tab anymore with the actual (laughs) article. So I have to go looking for it. Um, I've the thing is, I've heard of things like this happening before because. For some reason, people that are making smart locks have, like, no clue about, like, basic physical security. Yes, and it wasn't the only problem with it also. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of of things like this before where it's like, okay, but you guys know that, like, people would just drill that thing out of there and get in, right? Yeah. Like, what's the point of a super sophisticated smart lock? So, tap lock, T-A-P-P-L-O-C-K. Raised three hundred twenty thousand dollars in twenty sixteen for the product that would allow you to use just your finger to open the unbreakable lock. Amazing! Things took a turn for the worse when the ship date of September came and went. Backers complained that the upstart had stopped posting updates and wasn't responding to emails nor social media posts. Hmm. After months of silence, the startup assured um, L. Reg. That everything was still moving forward and the delays were due to issues with manufacturing in China. Fast forward 18 months and finally, finally, Mm. the $100 tap lock is out on the market. And it is, well, how do we put this kindly? Somewhat flawed. (laughs) No less than three major problems with the lock have been discovered that make it less than useless because presumably people intend to use the lock to secure valuable things. Yeah. One of the first things to note is that the tap lock used zinc aluminum alloy Zamac 3, something that it claims lends the lock unbreakable durability. Unfortunately, as materials engineers are happy to point out, aluminum may be a lovely lightweight metal, and this alloy does provide an enviable degree of detail when die cast. It is not exactly the best choice for something supposed to be unbreakable. Yeah, I was going to say, neither zinc nor aluminum by themselves are particularly tough. So like, It's not very strong. It melts at high temperatures, and it's quite brittle. It looks cool, but it's more suited for its more common use, 
door handles. Ah. It will be easy to cut through this lock with bolt cutters. Yeah, right. It, it doesn't sound tough even. <clears throat> and at, at this point in the article, there's a, a bold headline that says, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> that, by the way, is not one of the three flaws. Oh, my God. The first major flaw was the way it used Bluetooth to lock and unlock. Uh, Andrew Tierney, a.k.a. Cyber Gibbons, reviewed the lock for pen test partners, and it took him less than an hour to find a way to open every single tap lock. All of them? Everyone he tried. Ooh. How's that possible? Well, it turns out the lock broadcasts its own Bluetooth Mac address over the airwaves and uses that address to calculate a key used to lock and unlock the device. Oh. Tierney cracked the system disturbingly quickly. It uppercases the BLE MAC address and takes an MD5 hat. That's not important. We don't know what that means. You might know what that means. I don't. Okay. Um, he was able to write a script, port it to an Android app, and open any nearby tap lock wirelessly using his phone and Bluetooth, taking less than two seconds each time. That's brutal. This level of security is completely unacceptable, he complained. Consumers deserve better, and treating your customers like this is hugely disrespectful. To be honest, I'm lost for words. Wow. The problem was so bad, Tierney informed the manufacturer and gave it seven days before he went public with the flaw. Just hours before the deadline was up, Taplock put out a security advisory warning that everyone needed to upgrade their locks firmware to get the latest protection. This I mean, patch. I'm, I'm going to guess that wasn't easy either. <clears throat> what? Like upgrading the firmware, like what, especially once you have it installed in a door. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Okay, whatever. Well, I'll, we'll see if they mention it. This patch addresses several Bluetooth communication vulnerabilities that may allow unauthorized users to illegally gain access, the company noted. But Tierney notes it doesn't mention that literally anyone can open any lock that doesn't have the firmware updated. Oh, God, they can't say that. They're ruined if they say that. On to flaw two. Security researcher Vangelis Stikas published a blog post on Friday outlining that TapLock API endpoints have literally no security checks beyond checking whether there was a valid token. So if you create a TapLock account and gain a login, you'll be able, again, to open every single TapLock out there. <laughs> Wait, all you have to do is have an account? Yes. Tierney noted in his piece that he saw all kind of red flags that made him confident that the lock security was going to be terrible. Whoa. And Stikus notes the same thing, but with different red flags. He approached the lock from a different angle, the lock's app, and mm. was immediately concerned that it didn't even use HTTPS. Ooh. And so he dug around and found pretty quickly it was trivial to manipulate other users' accounts from a different account. Oh, my God. Aside from being able to get at the lock itself, the security flaw enabled him to access the actual account information as well. Amazingly, he approached the first flawed discoverer, Andrew Tierney, and asked if he would share the email address he used for his account. Tierney agreed. Within minutes, Stikus was not only able to add himself to Tierney's smart lock, but was able to see his name and address. Oh my god, this is terrible. That's right. Taplock is literally handing out all the information people need to not only access others' locks, but where you can find them physically. That's a nightmare. It's safe to say that Stikus was not impressed. I really have no postmortem on this one, he noted. The lock had several flaws, and to my understanding, they had a great marketing team, 
but a non-existent security team. Yeah. I cannot tell you to buy or not buy anything, as I don't have the authority to do so, but I would not buy this lock. Yeah. Taplock disabled the API exploited by Stykus to thwart further attempts to obtain strangers' information through it. So those are two catastrophic software errors. What about the actual physical lock itself? Yeah, I was going to say, there's a there's a screwdriver story in here, right? Yeah. Aside from the nice-looking but shoddy aluminum alloy it is built out of, oh, and the lack of a decent physical step in the lock arm itself that all decent lock manufacturers add to prevent these from shimming it open, there's another pretty insane flaw in the lock. You can potentially unscrew the back off. <laughs> well, like from the outside, from the yes. locked side. YouTube Jerry Rig Everything was one of the first to review the lock and approached it in a purely physical way, scratching it, trying to snap the back off, etc., etc. He was fairly happy with it until he took a serious cutter to the lock to see what was inside and discovered that the back is literally screwed into the body. He went out and bought a second lock and then stuck a GoPro mount to the back of it, discovering to his amazement that it simply unscrewed like an expensive cookie jar. Oh my god. That gave access to the back of the lock and to what were bog standard Phillips head screw bog standard Phillips head screws that could remove you could remove using a screwdriver. Once inside, it was trivial to pop the lock. Jerry Rig Everything concluded that it would be possible to crack any tap lock within physical reach in under 30 seconds using nothing more than a mount in a screwdriver. That's unbelievable. That's followed, really unbelievable. Followed an amazed response and over a million views, Taplock responded that the lock has a metal pin inside that's supposed to prevent the back panel from rotating. Uh, Taplock has said my particular unit is defective and should not have come apart that easily, he noted before generously adding, it seems to be more of a defective unit situation instead of a poor design situation. Taplock said they have reviewed the quality control and found no other defective units. Even if that's true and Jerry Rig Everything had somehow stumbled on the only Taplock in the world where this pin didn't work, it still leaves the issue of the screws that can be opened with a normal screwdriver. Yeah. We're told the gadget maker will in future use proprietary screws and will check to make sure the pin is in place. It's it's a, it's an item you buy for security. Yeah. So so you, basically it, you have to try harder than basically that. to make this clear for people to really picture it. The back, um, in the case of the Jerry Rig Everything guy, the back panel screwed off, and underneath there's yeah a a plate with screws that you could just unscrew with the Phillips head screwdriver. Yeah. Um. According to Taplock, there is a pin that's supposed to be in place that keeps that back panel from just screwing off like that. No screwing off. <laughs> but um, even if that's the case, it's still poor design. There's so many problems. Yeah. There's more to this article. I'm not going to read any more of it to you. I've read enough. But those are three major flaws. I'm really glad you, that's almost a middle segment in itself, what you just gave us. Yeah. It's such an interesting story of like, like that's what, I guess that's kind of what happens. It's the Kickstarter culture of like, yeah. all you have to do is market something really well, make it look really attractive. Uh -huh. People don't necessarily question that, you know, why would someone get into the lock game if they have no intent of actually securing something? Yeah. They just kind of assume they're getting what you say you're going to get. 
Well, especially if your marketing team is good. Right. That's it. The slick marketing thing just sort of, you know, like they use like terms like, oh, well, it's a zinc aluminum uh, alloy that is that is super indestructible. And you just go, sure. Why not? Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> why just would said I th- it was. Why would I think that this lock <laughs> meant for security yeah. would be made out of a metal that is like not that strong? Why would they make it so I could just chop it up? They yeah. wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. 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 That's incredible. Really, yeah. I, I hope Taplock is currently on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really do. When they're like, every time someone comes forward with another one of these flaws and they're just like, oh, there's an update. Oh, there's an update. Oh, quality <laughs> control. And that's the only flawed unit. I'm just like, just give up, guys. Just like, call it a day. You know Be got, like, I'm sorry. You know what got me thinking is if those screws are right through that panel... Someone who knows where they are could just quickly hit it with four or whatever, you know, uh, uh, holes with a drill. And all of a sudden it's off. True. Like two minutes to drill the holes and unscrew it. There's a lot of ways you can you can defeat a tap lock. That's just we should get a tap lock and we should defeat it. (laughs) Let's not spend money on. No, I'm not paying for a tap lock. But if anyone anyone wants to send us a tap lock, let us know. We'll destroy it. You know, I've been thinking about getting a P.O. box, but we don't have a real need for it yet. But if there becomes a need. Yeah, if you guys start mailing us weird stuff, we'll get a P.O. box. (laughs) It's on you. You got to make the case for us to get a P.O. box. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, it's something else. All right. I nailed it. I super crushed it. You did. Um, you did it. Not even rusty. Look at this. Man, you guys can't see this, but Dave is not rusty at all. Not at all. Also, those were finger guns. Yeah, those were finger guns. Um, My middle segment mm-hmm. is called Skynet. How an AI took over an adult knitting community. An adult knitting community? Yes. Is that like a like a porny adult knitting community? Um, it's not really porny, but it is mature. Whatever people say adult. I know. It's it's like um adult as in there's like adult language and it's not censored. So let me explain. Okay. So there's been we've all seen the videos of someone teaching an AI something, like feeding them lots of videos of something or mm-hmm. Or whatever, and then having the AI create its own version. Yeah, like, sure. Watch all these episodes of Bob's Burgers and then write an episode of Bob's Burgers. Machine learning. Yes. So there's this person who does that. Like, she teaches AI to do something and then unleashes it. So she discovered, um, I don't know if she's a knitter or just... I don't know, someone said, hey, this would be a fun thing to do. But she discovered the website Ravelry, which is a knitting web, knitting and crocheting website. Uh, you can find patterns on there, some of them free, some of them you pay for. There are also forums and groups you can join with similar interests to you. And so in one of these groups, they decided to participate in this. And basically, she fed the AI knitting patterns. And then she had the AI create knitting patterns, posted them in the group, and then the group knit them to the best of their ability. Okay. Now, the the thing with this is that the AI learns pa- patterns. Sure. 
it doesn't understand what they are or what they mean. No, yeah, it's just, uh, it's it's like purely math. Yeah, so in knitting, it's like the patterns are all abbreviations and numbers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So basically, these people are taking this pattern that's kind of just gibberish, but interpreting, <laughs> you're so bad at that, yeah. interpreting to the best of their ability an actual knitting pattern out of it and they're getting things. I mean, they're not useful objects, but they're getting things with like weird names. And it, I find it delightful. It's so delightful. Okay. Well, like what? Um, what, are I, they, what are they getting? I need to find some. I want to look at some of the names because you'll like them. But the knitters in this group named this project Sky Knit. That's a pretty good name. Um. And I'm assuming that the algorithm is naming the projects. Yes. Based on what it thinks people like to name knitting things. And, yes. And what it understands of the language that people are using. Yes. This other article about it says, letting neural networks be weird. Yeah. Which I, I think is um, accurate. <clears throat> I think there's a surprising number of uh, hoax versions of this floating around. Yeah, it's like people will be like, oh, we fed an AI, you know, like 200 episodes of Seinfeld and it wrote a Seinfeld episode. And it's like, okay, well, I don't think actually it did because it seems actually to rely on some kind of human intelligence. Um, I'm always skeptical of things like this. Right. But this one, I believe. (laughs) Yes. Um, So let me find the person's name who did this because... Oh, this is her website. This is her Tumblr. Letting Neural Networks Be Weird is her Tumblr or AIWeirdness.com. Okay. Uh, the blurb says, I train neural networks, a type of machine learning algorithm, to write unintentional humor as they struggle to imitate human data sets. Well, I intend the humor. The neural networks are just doing their best to understand what's going on. Um. So Skynet, when knitters teamed up with a neural network. And so she says, I use algorithms called neural networks to write humor. What's fun is they learn by example. So you give them a bunch of some sort of data. They'll try to figure out the rules that let them imitate it. They power corporate finances, recognize faces, translate text, and more. I, however, like to give them silly data sets. I've trained neural networks to generate new paint colors, new Halloween costumes, and new candy heart messages. I've seen that one. That one's good. Um, When the problem is tough, the results are mixed. There was that one candy heart that just said HOLE in all caps. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) All right. One of the toughest problems I've ever tried, knitting patterns. I knew almost nothing about knitting when at Johanna B., at wandering shop, wandering dot shop, sent me the suggestion one day. She sent me to the Ravelry knitting site into its adults only, often in indecorous, indecorous, uh, LSG forum. How do you say that? I, I think it's indecorous, indecorous, but I'm not sure. Who, as you will see, are amazing people. When asked how I should describe them, one wrote, "Don't forget the glitter and swearing." And so we embarked upon Operation Hilarious Knitting Disaster. The knitters helped me crowdsource a data set of 500 knitting patterns ranging from hats to squids to unmentionables. J.C. Breyer exported another 4,728 patterns from the site stitchmaps.com. I gave the knitting patterns to a couple of neural networks that I collectively named Skynet. 
Then, not knowing if they'd produced anything remotely knitable, I started posting the patterns. Here's an early example. And she posts a picture. Um, at one point in the pattern, it says, basically, to knit 6,395 stitches. And, like, just in the middle of the pattern, it's just, like, just knit 6,395 stitches. It's just, like... It just says that without, like, where or how? It just, no, I mean, I, I don't sure want to redo... It. I don't want to redo a whole knitting pattern, but basically... It to look at it, it looks fairly normal at first glance. Like, um, the first one is knit one, um, purl one, knit two together. See, the problem is I don't understand. <clears throat> you don't know what that this. means, and maybe a lot of our listeners purl don't know one, what that means either. Purl one, it's a knit. It's a type of stitch. Knit two together is when you knit two stitches at once. It's a way of decreasing stitches. Yarn over twice more times. Yarn over is a way of adding a stitch that makes it look lacy. Um, doing it twice is a little tricky in a row. Um, and then it just says 10 stitches, like you'd knit 10 stitches. Okay. So that's, it's like weird. You'd kind of have to figure out a way to make it work, but you can make it work. Like um, it's physically possible. You have to interpret it basically, Okay. but you can make it happen. And then in one of the rows later, it says, work in pattern as set, row eight, pearl one, 6,395, 71, 70, 77. Like, it's just like saying numbers now. Like, that doesn't mean anything. Weird. Okay. <laughs> um, and so knitters found this hysterically funny because they're like, this is just so optimistic that there would be that many stitches and then it's out of nowhere and it's... It's just yeah, like, delightful. Like no pattern in the world ever tells you to put 6,000 stitches in. <laughs> right. But the really cool thing about this is the fact that knitters aren't new to having to interpret knitting patterns, especially if we're knitting from like an old vintage pattern. Sure. There's always a little bit of like figuring out what they really meant for you to do. I don't know if you remember this, but I was knitting a shawl at one point for someone. Of course I remember that. It took took forever. Of course I remember that. I was stuck at like the fifth row. Okay. Because I couldn't figure out what they were telling me to do wasn't making sense with like the counts. Like it wasn't working the way they were explaining it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I ended up going into a yarn store and being like, I need someone to help me. Like, I need someone to walk me through this because I think it makes sense in my head, but I keep doing it and it's wrong. Like, it's not working out. Yeah. So they couldn't, at first they couldn't figure it out either. They're like, "I the way you're thinking about it is correct, but it's not right. Like, mm-hmm. it's not working. I don't know. They are leaving something out of the instructions, but I don't know what. We finally figured out what it was, which is like a real lunatic thing to do and not explain for people to do. <laughs> but but a lot of this older stuff. It rel- wasn't even relies on, it wasn't even an old pattern. Is OK, thing. but in other cases, even like older stuff relies on understanding some previous convention. And maybe this right. one as well relied on an understanding that wasn't I, available to you. I think what the problem was with this one is that the original pattern was in another language and later translated to English. Oh. And the writer of the pattern 
um, English is not her first language. So even if she, she speaks English and well, trans, some things can be lost in translation and maybe the instruction that was more specific was left off. I ended up messaging the writer of the pattern on Ravelry mm-hmm. and was like, please help me. <laughs> and then once I figured it out, I was like, I figured it out, but you might want to be more specific. Yeah. I think she event she did message me back, but she wasn't really getting what I was asking the first time. And I think she later, um, once I explained like the fix, yeah, she might have updated the pattern. I'm not quite, I can't remember, but it, we're used to having to like puzzle this stuff through. Yeah. And, just the fact that these knitters took complete nonsense and were like, no, we're going to knit things out of it. We're going to make this did people, happen. Did people make the 7,000 stitch? Oh, no. Well, I don't know if they made that one or not, but people made some of them. If you want to look at these pictures, I was trying to find. Um, there was one called, I think, Data Sock. Data Sock. One called... So I'm trying name. to look at the names. Mystery Lace Data Sock is one. <coughs> okay. Reverse Shawl Sitikas. Okay. Um, Frost Odonata. That's um, kind of a cool name. I don't know what it means, but it's a cool name. Actual Jellyfish is one. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Orion. Okay. Shoeless Jane. No, Orion. A-U-R-I-A-N. Okay. Um, ribbed, rib, rib, Megan Ann. <laughs> ribbed, rib, rib. Ribbed, rib, rib. McRib. Winder Socks totes my name. <laughs> totes my name. Unless these are the people who, no, you know what? Totes my name is the person who knit it. I wish that was the pattern. Okay. The, after, the things after the hyphen are the names. So Megan Ann is someone who knit something. Shoeless Jane is someone who knit something. Okay. Um. Yes. These are... They're, take a look at them. Some of them look like real things. Yeah, this will be of uh, no no uh, value no. to the people listening to but, this. But, but if uh, you go on... If you search for how an Skynet, how an AI took over an adult knitting community, you can see the things that people created from these patterns. My impressions of them is that they are very strange forms, like very uh, not even symmetrical forms in a lot of cases, uh, squiggly, and they have uh, sort of interesting patterns inside of them. Um, some of them, one looks like the state of Ohio. One is a square with a random pattern of holes inside of it. Very interesting stuff. Doesn't look like anything you'd ever deliberately designed. No. Very much looks like just like what do shapes look like if you don't know what shapes are. (laughs) Right. And that's exactly what it is. What does a knitting pattern look like if you generate a random pattern and don't understand the mechanism of it? Yeah. Because there are some things you could pretty easily teach a neural network. Knitting patterns isn't one of them. There's a lot of convention that you could never teach a neural network it's just that's really complex but the idea is great i mean a lot of what we think is aesthetically pleasing Mm -hmm. is actually kind of rigid and not super open to a machine learning what it is i guess or like yeah like being creative on a rule set like we actually have some surprisingly rigid rules about like basic beauty 
Yeah. We, we value things like predictability <laughs> and symmetry. You know? And it varies from culture to culture, but usually symmetry is yeah. respected. There's some things that like it, you almost question whether a neural network is of any use at all because well it we like rules we actually really yeah, like rules but there's the thing that works for neural networks they understand they can they can figure out rules if the rules aren't too complex they require a lot of training yeah a lot of training to get really good at this stuff neural networks yeah. are very useful but they require a lot to for something like knitting that not only is it creative Mm-hmm. It's mathematical. Yeah. There are rules to make a pattern look the way you want it to look. There's different stitches you have to use. There's different different symbols in a pattern mean different things. Yeah. And a neural network doesn't know what right. those things mean. They just know, hey, I see this a lot. Let me put this here. Yeah. And so you get things that look crazy and yeah. unusable i mean it but, is very cool but it's hilarious and yeah. i love that a group of knitters was like oh no we want to do this like you you give us these crazy patterns and we're gonna figure it out i'm always interested in what neural networks might come up with and they've already made some actually really useful things for us mm-hmm. uh they're really useful for compression you know like image compression and things like that they're like they they can do things that are hard for us to figure out how to do well hmm this one maybe will take a little <laughs> while to get really good at what it's doing. This one's never going to be successful, but it or is. Maybe, or maybe it will. Who knows? It's a fun experiment, and um, it made me really happy because I, I like to knit, and I like, I like the world getting to see the sense of humor that knitters have. Yeah, because I think when people think of people who knit, they think of their grand their grandma. Their grandparents. They're yeah. like, it's old an women. old timey thing. Old women knitting. Mostly women. And they don't think about like a lot of people knit. And a lot of us are really funny. And we like to drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually. That's the real lesson here. That's the real lesson. Knitters are funny and like to drink. I mean, you've never wanted booze more than when you're working on a <laughs> finicky lace shell. Yeah. Well, that's a pretty cool middle segment. I like that a lot. Yeah, I hope that was interesting to anyone but me. But I don't. I don't know how much everyone will follow that, but I think it's. I think it's actually kind of. Just a, go look at the pretty, pretty pictures. Yeah, that, where, where go did look you at say the silly pictures. Um, it was called Skynet: How an AI Took Over an Adult Knitting Community. Yeah, it seems like that would be uh, worth reading the entire article. Yes, and there's also a lot of content there. also just find that person who. Who posted it? Who yeah. trains the neural networks? Because it sounds like she's done really cool things. I did look at her one about the um, candy hearts at one point. The Valentine's Day yeah. candy hearts. Those are really funny. And the paint names, I think, were really good, too. Yeah. The two she mentioned in there. That's pretty yeah. cool. Check that out. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. I think we're ready for a break. Okay. Well, let's take a break. We'll be back in a minute with the main segment for this episode. All right. You're breaking up. That's annoying. Bye. (laughs) 
And we're back. And we're back. We are back. It is time. It is late. Oh my god, it is Easy late. Is <laughs> it's okay. We get to sleep in tomorrow. Yeah, we do, don't we? We get to sleep in tomorrow. We don't have anything to do until four. Well, technically, we have some things to work on around the house, but yeah, nothing involving other people aside from us. That's pretty good. Yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Give bird thanks for day. that. Bird day. I'm looking forward to eating some bird. You know, turkey's not my favorite, but as much as I say that, I always enjoy it. Yeah. Me too. Honestly, I really like turkey. If, if it wasn't such a weird pain to put together, I would eat more of it. Yeah. You enjoyed making that turkey last year. I did. That football of a turkey I threw together. Yes. It was really good. <laughs> I thought it was all right. It, yeah, the, it was good. The, the skin got kind of weird and stretchy and tacky, didn't it? Uh, That's just bird skin. Okay. You're probably right. Yeah. Anyway, this is not about turkey nor it's Thanksgiving. Not, but it is about... Carcasses. The murder of innocent creatures. Yeah. We are talking uh, <laughs> for, I guess, yeah, let's That's somehow slide into that one. Uh, we're talking about uh, Ohio serial killers. Yes. That is our topic. Now, this was probably meant to be part of Spooptober, to be fair. Yes. But that didn't really happen. Kind of. We're well, now in the middle of November, so. So here's the thing. Back in Spooptober, um, <laughs> I had this grand idea once we realized we were going to make a whole big Spooptober thing of it um, at the suggestion of Aubrey, mm-hmm. uh, which was a good suggestion. Thank you, Aubrey. Aubrey. Um, I had this great, brilliant plan that I was like, all right, scrap the topic I gave you. You do serial killers because it'll be spooky, and I'll do the one I did, the the husband and wife ghost. The Warrens. The Warrens. I was like, I'll do them, but you forgot that you were supposed to switch your topic, <laughs> and so you did Teal Swan, which was the topic I had already given you, but Teal Swan was really fucking creepy anyway, so it, it fit Spooptober. Yeah. Our schedule got all thrown out of whack. It did. That's okay. Yeah, lots That's of things okay. happened in between then and now. Yes, and now we're carrying the spoop fest over into November, and yep. that's okay. So now we're talking about serial killers that are from or affiliated with Ohio. All right. So a- Dave and I are true crime fans, and yeah. this is what I live for. Yeah, true crime is, uh, you, 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 uh, I think you indulge in as much of it or more of it than I do. We both really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and I like the regional aspect of this. Just talk about things that are relevant to Ohio. Um, I like that too. There are, I chose three. Right. I, I did a lot of research uh, uh, on you know, possible subjects. And I even kind of threw in at the end a quick glossary of things I didn't talk about. Yeah. But I chose three to talk about that I thought were the most interesting. Uh, and that had some real specific Ohio components to them. Okay. Uh, but before I talk about all of that. Um, I have to skip into, god damn it, I scrolled off, I scrolled off of my starting point. Um, so I, uh, I started by saying if you ever want to see some real controversial subjects on the internet, a great one to look at is what is the serial killer capital of America? Hmm. Because for some reason, everyone wants to be the serial killer <laughs> capital of America. 
It's like one of the first things I found when I started looking because uh, it just it's somehow in my uh, early Googling. Uh, one of the things that I found was, oh, yo, these 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 killings prove that Cleveland is the serial killer capital of America. And then I saw that and I went, OK, well, let me search for what is, is this it really right. I started checking that and everyone wants a piece of that title on that serial killer capital pie. Yeah. Like, everyone wants it to be them, which is super funny to me. I think it's part of that that macabre humor. The reason that we like, we say we like true crime. It's not yeah. that we like crime. It's that, like, confrontation. Maybe, <laughs> maybe a little bit. It's that confrontation with a difficult topic. So it's that kind of, like, aversion, like, well, of course, no, no one wants to be the serial capital serial killer capital of the world but it's also like a weird source of pride of yeah. like just like i don't know what word i'm looking for i think it's that no one wants to be unspecial there's that too and so every town that some crazy murder happens in they latch onto it because boy in this wild even if we suck mate at least we got that murder going for us <laughs> yeah it's like the same reason that youngstown remember that time that guy did that horrible thing well youngstown people love to be like oh man the mob used to be pretty ba 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 around here and blah, blah, blah. and it's like well, okay sure. that that's possibly true but relatively were we ever as big a deal as like chicago new york Probably not. But when you consider like the size of the town and the number of people who knew each other, right. it still feels like it was a big deal. I think it's it's all like relative. Because yeah. I, I have family members who have those stories of like, yeah, my dad used to take me to the bar when I was a kid. We used to sit at the bar and he'd chat with someone. I found out yeah. later that was the local mob boss. Like, right. And all that stuff happened. I'm just saying Youngstown was never the mob capital of America no. the way that people want to feel like it is, you know? It's just uh, that fascination with, like, the stuff you didn't realize was happening mm -hmm. while you were having a normal life. I, yeah, I can see that. It's like I didn't realize all these horrible crimes were happening or this was going on. I was just... Playing with my Legos <laughs> or sure. whatever you're doing. Right. But there's like that CD underbelly mm -hmm. that is always occurring. And so it's like fascinating. People are drawn to it. To figure it out. Yeah. Um, I want to say uh, uh, when you set aside raw numbers, especially with uh, something as detail rich as serial killings, there's a lot of room for opinion about this. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have pretty good contention for why their area is noteworthy for serial killings. Um, I think that, uh, it's, this is also made more complicated as for trying to, trying to figure out where most of it or the most noteworthy stuff happens. You know, like a lot of killings are not attributed to the serial killer responsible. So sometimes yeah. there's a lot of killings that no one knows really who pulled them off. Right. And there's a lot of prolific serial killers who haven't actually been caught. Right. So it's hard to tell, well, where were they really from? Right. Or, you know, maybe they didn't just kill in one area. Maybe they could be connected to other areas. And That's true. That throws the whole system even further when you look at that. Yeah. Uh, I will say, it turns out there are some serious reasons to consider Ohio a noteworthy place. Um, it is the sixth worst in the country by victim count, even though it is the seventh in population, which means that there's a disparity between, you know, how, how many more people are killed here Versus how many people are here. More murders per capita. Yeah. 
Uh, it makes us one of only 16 states with a disproportionately high number of victims. Admittedly, that's only slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the um, <clears throat> the most extreme in that case is probably Alaska. Alaska has a really, really disproportionate number of serial killings. <sighs> and I think California has the most serial killings, but not the most per capita. Yeah. So, you know, Ohio is not necessarily, you know, we're, we have some interesting and noteworthy details. We might Ohio, not be we're trying to tell you, sweetie, you're not special. <laughs> we're you're just, just not. I mean. We're a little special. You, you want to think you're so, you're special in some ways, but don't think that murders are the reason that baby. you're special. Baby. Oh, sweetie, come on. You have so much going for you. you Why do you think about so murder? You have so many other things to focus Ohio, on. Ohio, baby, darling, come on now. Don't sell yourself short with the murder and the gore. <laughs> There's so much food you could be known for. Come on. <laughs> Ohio, baby. God, what a weird thing. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's get right down to what are some very noteworthy serial killers. All right. Uh, the first one I chose, um, I think a lot of people know in this state that Jeffrey Dahmer is tied to Ohio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so while I can't, I'm not going to give an entire full history of Jeffrey Dahmer, I want to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer's connections to Ohio and the... Uh, and and what are the 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 activities in Ohio? You know the regional things, the things yeah. I think they're the, the most relevant uh, to this topic. So uh, everyone, like I said, everyone knows Jeffrey Dahmer grew up in Ohio. Uh, it's kind of a you know big big deal to us here. Uh, he moved to Doylestown, Ohio, from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, when he was six years old, uh, and then later to Bath, Ohio, at the age of eight. Uh, for reference, both of those towns are basically slightly northwest of Akron. Okay. I looked them up on a map because I was curious. So actually pretty close. Yeah, Akron is where we were on Sunday. So Yeah, like surprisingly Probably close. within an hour and a half of where we live. Yeah, right. Right right around an hour and a half, maybe two hours tops. Um, All right. Uh, so uh, one thing I didn't know about Jeffrey Dahmer, I thought this was interesting, um, but it was confirmed by multiple sources was that his, uh, he was, he was a youth alcoholic. I had no <laughs> idea about this. I think I had heard that actually. Like the fact that he was a drinker in his old, you know, well, older, you know, when he was, you know, in his twenties and thirties, you know, is like kind of well known cause it was, a, it's a big factor of, uh, the sort of scenes that he was in and the people he was meeting and people bringing he, back to his place yeah. and the things that he was doing with people and all that. Um, but a colorful example from the Tuscaloosa News. Tuscaloosa? Uh, yeah. In a, the Tuscaloosa paper uh, detailed a time when a 14-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer, this is after he was picked up and all that, uh, was drinking scotch in high school. And when a teacher asked him why, he referred to it as his medicine, which is a weird thing for a 14-year-old kid to say. Yeah. Um, I thought that was an odd detail. Yeah. That's weird. Um, you know, like we were just recently talking about exactly how big, you know, I guess alcohol culture is here and, and also in Wisconsin where he's also mm-hmm. from. Uh, but I thought that was a weird detail. I mean, I my understanding of Doylestown, I don't really know anything about Bath, but I feel like it it's not a large town, right? Is yeah, I, don't think, I, don't think, I don't think either of them are particularly large towns. Because I... 
not to like stereotype areas or anything, but you tend to have high rates of alcoholism in in drinking in areas that are rural because there isn't a whole lot to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people just do their their hard work yeah. and then working hard. And then do do what? You have some alcohol and call it a night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when there's nothing to do. Yeah, drink. do that. It makes everything interesting. Uh, it, it sure does. <laughs> you can't predict what's going to happen when you drink like a 24 pack. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, aside from killing yourself slowly. True. Um th- worth mentioning that Jeffrey Dahmer committed his first murder in Ohio. I don't mm. know if this is public or, or widespread knowledge. It is public knowledge. I don't know if it's widespread. Um, this happened June 18th of 1978. Um, a hitchhiker named Stephen Mark Hicks, uh, was, you know, on the side of the road. Jeffrey Dahmer picked him up and took him to his home. Uh, they drank and they hung out for a few hours. Uh, and when the man went to leave, Dahmer got upset and he knocked him unconscious with a 10 pound barbell, strangled him with the barbell, masturbated on his corpse and then dismembered him in the home's crawl space and buried him in the backyard. Hmm. A little bit of a little bit of gacy action going with the crawl space. The crawl space thing is interesting to me. It is. Like Why it, wouldn't you just leave him in the crawl space? I mean, I guess the smell, but Cuz the thing is it is it is his family home. Yeah. And it's worth noting that at the time his his family isn't living there either. Because his mm-hmm. folks at this point were divorced. I think Dahmer was uh he Didn't was, he live with his grandma at one point? Yeah, at one point he did. This is before that. Okay. So he's like 18 or 19 years old, and he picks up a hitchhiker of around the same age. His folks have already divorced, and they're not living in this house anymore in Bath, Ohio. So they just left their 18-year-old son? Well, they left the house, and he's, I don't know, he's an adult. He could be doing whatever he you know wants to, but he, he's living in the house. This still uh, seems like a weird situation, though. I think he was, I think at the time he might have even been in school. I'm not sure if that okay. happened yet or not, because the thing is, he went to OSU mm-hmm. uh, around this time. Um, he So at this point, no one's living in the house. He may have been in school. He has a perfectly reasonable you know access to the house, so... It kind of makes sense that if uh, he was going to pick someone up, it might be in the hometown near the house where nobody is. Right. Um, So anyway, a few weeks later, after burying the guy in the backyard, he decides to dig him back up to dissolve his flesh and to break up and scatter the bones in the woods behind the house. Hmm. Um, That's harder to do than you think it would be. What, to dissolve the flesh or to scatter the bones? All of it. Yeah, the, yeah. I think it would be hard to get rid of a human to body. break a human bone is not light work. Yeah. And to dissolve, like, you see in, like, crime shows all the time, especially fictional ones, like, oh, they dissolved it in lye, or oh, they dissolved it in acid. But it doesn't work that way. It takes a really long time, and it's usually not that successful. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think it's it's uh it looks really simple on television. Yes. Cuz you get to cut between this and that and all of a sudden everything It would all take done. a lot of whatever you're trying to use in a lot of time and it would it would 
be noticeable. Yeah. Well, gosh, I think about like the the bones that we give the dog. Like I couldn't yeah. break one of those with my hands oh, or no. most tools. It'd be a lot of work. So this is a graphic and specific example, but uh, when I was in college, I was in a class in which we dissected a human cadaver. Right. And we had a bone saw and it was misplaced. So we did not have the bone saw when we needed it most. We ordered a new one, but we were still at the part of the class where we needed to get through the rib cage. Yeah. So we used not a bone saw. Well, like a hacksaw? <laughs> no, we, we used saw? like another knife, but it wasn't specifically a bone saw. Okay. And so it was very difficult to cut through the ribs to get past them to like get to the heart and everything mm-hmm. else that we wanted to look at. And ribs aren't that thick. I mean, yeah. ribs aren't a femur. Breaking a femur or cutting a femur to make it easier to dispose. They're fairly thin compared to other ones. And we all know people who've like broken ribs and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's tough to get through a rib intentionally, like to cut through it. Yeah. It was very hard. And I can't imagine if you didn't have the proper equipment. And even if you do, it would take a really long time to like cut through a bone. I can't imagine what he used. I mean, that part wasn't available to me. I don't know what he used, but it would. You're right. It would be very difficult to unless do. you're just like breaking them with like a ha- a sledgehammer or like a press or something. Like yeah. I, you know, who I I have no idea what he what he used. Yeah, yeah it doesn't but, I mean, seem like an easy job. That's hard work, right there. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um. So anyway, uh, basically six weeks after this incident, after he finishes dissolving the guy and chopping his bones up and scattering them everywhere, he, the the you know his, his dad and new uh, new stepmom show up and, and are surprised to see him at home, which I thought was kind of a funny detail. Is they they missed all this by like six weeks? Yeah, no one knew. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's the first the first murder that he committed. Being here in Ohio is kind of noteworthy. Hmm. Um, I wrote that he left Ohio after dropping out of OSU, uh, where he was for about three months. He didn't last there long. He was not a good student. He dropped out to serve in the army as a medic for two years. Does anyone know that about Jeffrey Dahmer? I didn't realize that. That's a weird detail. I didn't know about him. He was a medic for two years. He served overseas. Um, he uh, also uh, worth noting that while he was stationed in Germany, this is information that came out again after his arrest. Two of his fellow soldiers had alleged long after the fact that he had raped them while in the service. Ugh. No one, no one knew. And I'm not sure if they reported it and it went missing or if they didn't report it. They probably didn't report they it. They probably didn't report it is my guess. Yeah. I don't know that because for sure. Because that was still would have been a time in the military when you, even if you were gay in the military, yeah. you didn't. It was the "don't ask, don't tell" policy. Yeah, but also so, like, but also like, I don't even know if these soldiers are gay. Yeah, but that doesn't matter, right? If we also have a culture, and especially then, maybe a little less so now. Yeah, that and and, and that, people like, who are who are assaulted often like. 
You wonder what it says about you that it happened to you. Sure. And you you question yourself. Yeah. And so in an environment like the army, mm-hmm. especially one that is not approving of gay people, regardless of whether these individuals are gay or not, that would be like the worst possible thing that could happen and that you could talk about and that you could admit. Yeah, right. Like it wasn't going to, it was going, they were going to be victim blamed and was going to be how, how did you bring this on yourself and mm-hmm. did, were you into it? Did you lead them on or what, you know? This is a lot of speculation it, on our part. Yeah. But, but it I could do have think been, it's very, I think it could it's very have feasible. Been, it could have been mishandled. And I think it, regardless of if that's how it would have been handled, I think that is the fear. Yeah, probably. That, so, that would certainly, that would certainly explain why we found out about it after, but not at the time. Like right. Why, why no one found out at the time. Right. I think there's a, a lot of things that you don't find out at the time for all kinds of reasons like that. Um. So basically, he's let go from the army. And he's let go from the army because of deteriorating performance. Basi- is, he, basi- is he dishonorably discharged? Uh, he's, I, 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 uh, gosh, actually, I don't know what specifically uh, what his discharge was, but, but I know it was related to performance and it was related to his alcoholism. Um, I'm not sure what, what exactly the, the discharge was. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, basically the vast majority of the incidents that you know about Jeffrey Dahmer occurred in Wisconsin. So, they don't mostly uh, apply to our Ohio serial killer episode here. But, um, like I said, uh, I, I think it's worth noting that he's a made-in-Ohio serial killer, that his first killing was in Ohio. We and should be proud. <laughs> Look what we made. <laughs> it's also, like, a thing I didn't write down but that came up in my research was that apparently Dahmer had this fantasy as, like, a young man, like like in, like when he was, like, 15 or 16, Apparently there was like a jogger or something that regularly went by somewhere he he would spend time and he'd fantasize about knocking this guy out and you know having his way with him and killing him. Like this mm-hmm. is like again like in Ohio before even his first murder like this that's like sort of where the 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 sort of the germination of the whole thing was. Like I, I think the germination. The, huh? Nothing is real bad. No, keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> ignore that, ignore that. Okay. So, yeah, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that's where that's where essentially, you know, you know, all this started was here in Ohio. Um, uh, so he was eventually, it's worth noting, uh, extradited back to Ohio from Wisconsin and convicted of that murder, that first murder of Stephen Hicks. Um, and just by, uh, just as a way of wrapping up the Jeffrey Dahmer segment here. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I told this on the podcast before, but I know someone or I used to work with someone who claimed to have met Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't know if I told you this before. You have told me, but I forget the details. Uh, so there's a guy I used to work with and he told me that at one point he was at, he was at like a club in Cleveland one night. Mm hmm. And uh, he he remembered that he left the club and he was out sort of at the street area and there was a guy in a parked car and he was offering him a ride. Mm-hmm. And he almost went with a guy or, you know, you know how when you remember things after the fact that, you know, maybe yeah. the details aren't quite clear. So either he almost went with him or he just kind of saw him and brushed him off or whatever happened. Um, 
And he said that a couple of years later, he <laughs> saw that guy on the news and it was Jeffrey Dahmer. And he <sighs> swore he swore it was him. He swore that he remembered his face so clearly because something about the guy just stuck with him. Yeah. You know, and I, I can believe that. Like, especially, Those stories are so creepy. Isn't it creepy? But also, like, you would remember that guy because someone who is out picking people up with the intent to kill them, I just think there's something about that, well, sometimes that you intent. Get, you would have to see it. Sometimes you get a feeling yeah. that something is up. Like, there's right. something wrong, wrong about a situation. And you tend to, like, remember those details because you're like, eh, this is sketchy. Yeah. And I, I don't think there's anything, like, woo about those feelings. I think it's, like, subconsciously picking up on things that don't make sense with... Subtext. Yeah. yeah. The way people carry themselves, their attitudes, their, the, you know, like, things that are incongruous in the moment. Right. Or, like, maybe he's sitting there with his window down, but it's, like, a really cold day in the wintertime. Why would he be doing that? And why yeah. is he just sitting there waiting to give people rides? The and... stuff that you don't think about, but, but that you your know brain is knows is going on yeah 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 so i i believe that yeah i believe that i've heard similar stories from other people about other serial killers and stuff of like like yeah i knew this person or i met this person and i saw their face later and went oh shit (laughs) (laughs) that was close yeah i think that kind of thing happens quite a bit i think our brains are really good at picking up like something's off yeah, we've mentioned my favorite murder before, and they they do episodes that they call their minisodes or minisodes, and it's basically like emailing in with their own stories of like sometimes there's like an actual theme for the minisode episode, but it's devolved into like just tell us your interesting stories and maybe we'll read them. Yeah, and a lot of times it'll be people talking about like oh hey like my mom was almost a victim of Ted Bundy or like stuff like that. And those ones are really interesting because it usually comes up in like conversation between family members and they go, Oh shit. And then they go back and look at pictures of their mom during that time and go, Oh, you look like his victims. Like (laughs) that could have been bad. Yeah. That's it's the kind of thing. Also, you wouldn't, you wouldn't hear these stories normally. Like, there's right. really kind of no place in, like, uh, most media for these little stories that that, that you right. might hear around a dinner table. Like, yeah, you're not going to believe this, but, you know, Aunt Linda almost got picked up by Ted Bundy. Like, yeah. there's not a place for that in, like, the, the, the major and, media. And there's not even a place for that in in all family situations. Like, sometimes it feels like such a fluke thing that you happen to get a detail out of the right person at the right time. And we're able to figure out some crazy family story that no one talks about. Mm -hmm. Like I, that's why those stories are such a joy to hear because they're, they're crazy and fascinating and just lucky to have heard of them and be able to share them. Yeah. But I want to know about more Ohio serial killers. (laughs) All right, well, let's move on, because I got another one. I cannot remember who it was who mentioned this killer to me recently, but it is the Cleveland Torso Killer. I wish I could remember who mentioned this to me. I can't remember who it was. I'm pretty sure there is a My Favorite Murder episode about it. There probably is. It's a pretty big deal. Um, This uh, serial killer... Uh, the, 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 the major killings attributed to this killer happened between 1935 and 1938. 
in Cleveland. Uh, Twelve people are believed to be the victims of a never-identified killer. Mm. Um, That's creepiest of all. Never identified. Uh, never positively. Maybe They're, he's still alive. Well, it was 35 to 38. So if you figure the killer was maybe 20 when that happened, and then you tag on another 70 years, uh, 90 years. Nah, he's still going. <laughs> nah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so uh, some people think the number is not just 12. Some people think it's more like 20. Uh some people believe there are additional possible kills outside of Cleveland, including in Youngstown and Pittsburgh. Ooh. Uh, that could have been the work of the same killer. 12 is the official count. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other killings that match similar MO. Okay. Well, tell me all about it. Well, I will tell you that the Cleveland Torso Killer had the distinctive habit of beheading his victims. Uh, quite often, cutting the torso in half. Hmm. Um, it's also noteworthy they were often found really long after the killing occurred, with plenty of time for the body to decompose. Um, males were often castrated. Hmm. Many of the bodies showed evidence of being chemically treated in some way, which is interesting. But the big commonality between all of them is that this is during the depression and all of the victims are members of the working poor, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> which made it easier for the killer to pick someone off, uh, without attracting a whole lot of attention until the pattern was established. Cause they're working poor people. No one gave a shit. Yeah. You Especially know? during that time. And there was <clears throat> so many working poor. Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. So at this point, like nobody, nobody's, Worth, you know, the attention, which is the unfortunate thing. Well, also, like, it wasn't an area in era of social media where, like, news can spread quickly. It's sure. like once you finally figure it out. And the fact that, you know, somehow and for some reason, the bodies tended not to be found until they're already decomposing. Mm-hmm. You might not know precisely how long that person would have been missing so you don't know even where to look who it could have been when yeah a lot of people get lost in the fray during those times it's decidedly harder to do police work back then yeah and also like it, who's to say someone didn't just get sick of being working poor and just go away somewhere else yeah right or leave that specific area and go do something else you know yeah right Sorry, my phone decided to scroll all the way to, to the end of everything, so I have to go backwards here. Um, <clears throat> um, so, uh, Elliot Ness is often associated with this case, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Uh, it's worth noting that during the time that the murders occurred, he really was just the public safety director of Cleveland, mm-hmm. uh, which did put him in a place to oversee the police and emergency services, but he wasn't. You know, like he he hadn't achieved his highly involved with it. Right. He didn't achieve uh, his uh, sort of notoriety at this point yet. He wasn't like uh, one of the uh, uh, forgetting what they were called. uh, His uh, sort of uh, elite group of uh, uh, the the investigators he was a part of. God, I wish I could remember what that was. Um, But he never really investigated this case personally. Yeah. Um. So they did at one point find uh, one possible suspect. 
someone that they they were looking at very closely. Uh, his name was Dr. Francis A. Sweeney. Um, he failed two early polygraph tests, and the interrogator, who was a guy named Leonard Keeler, who was a early pioneer of this particular kind of test, assured Elliot Ness that this was the guy. He was 100% certain. Um, polygraphs were, as you can imagine, even less reliable than they are now, and many people argue they're not reliable at all right now. Yeah, the untouchables is That's what it, you were the thinking untouchable. of. Thank you. God, oh, that was going to drive me crazy. The untouchables. Well, he wasn't one he of was, those guys yet. He was an American prohibition agent. Right. Um, famous for trying to bring down Al Capone. And enforce prohibition in Chicago, but the, his group of law enforcement agents were the untouchables. Right. Now, he hadn't been assigned to this group yet. He wasn't a part of he this yet. He was just vaguely around. Yep. He was just part of Cleveland, you know, uh, overseeing the, uh, the the public. He was the public safety safety director, so he was very much rooted in just sort of, you know, that that uh, that office. Have you seen a picture of Elliot Ness? I have. Take a look at that mug. Those are some, that's a heavy brow bone. Yeah, the the left picture is the one that I'm most familiar with. Yeah, very serious face. Um, so again, Dr. Francis Sweeney. Um, uh, Ness was very sure he would never secure a conviction, mm-hmm. that no one would be able to pull this off, because in particular, Francis Sweeney was the cousin of Elliot Ness's political rival, Martin L. Sweeney. How about mm. that? What are the odds of that? Yeah. Uh, so he just knew that even if, you know, the polygraph said that was the guy, and even if his, you know, investigators were certain of it, okay, so he couldn't here's, enforce here's it. Here's really what Elliot Ness knew. He wasn't going to do shit about it because even if he wanted to, it would ruin his career and it would just question look his career. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there's no way to do that without looking bad. Yeah. Um, so what happened instead was that Francis Sweeney committed himself to a mental hospital and was never successfully charged. However, it is interesting that uh, he harassed Elliot Ness via postcard for years after this. Clean up into the 1950s. We're talking like uh, like uh, over a decade and a half hmm. of harassing him <laughs> via postcard and and uh, you know, essentially so mailing him letters. Even if from it the wasn't him, he would still he became obsessed with Elliot Ness and was yeah, because poking he, the bear. He basically he he ended up committing himself, and and it was largely to do with the you know certainty conveyed to Elliot Ness. You know, like he probably can committed himself because he was going to be charged if he didn't. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um. But I want to talk briefly about those other possible crimes uh, yeah. of the Cleveland Torso Killer. Um, some of them occurred in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, which is not mm-hmm. far from here. Nope. Um, a headless body was found in a boxcar in 1936. Multiple other bodies, headless bodies, were found in the swamps near Newcastle from 1921 to 1942. So lots of, that, I mean that that's, that's way a, outside the range. A range that extends past when this, right. the the main twelve cases were yes. active before and after those killings. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say if it was just before, you could be like, well, maybe the person moved, or just after, maybe the person moved to that area. But right, 
fact that it's on either side. But Cleveland isn't that far from here, and Newcastle's not that far from here. It's You're right, they're not far, and I'll actually get into that in just a second. But before I do, it's worth noting also that three more headless bodies were found in boxcars near McKee's Rocks, Pennsylvania, in 1940. Hmm. Which is now inside that window of the Newcastle murders, but... Basically, we're talking 1921 to 1942. It's like a really Mm -hmm. broad range. Um, And while nobody was ever properly charged for those crimes, this is why I said I was going to come back to it, McKee's Rocks, Newcastle, and Cleveland are all connected by the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad line. Mm. And they were found in boxcars. And bodies were found in boxcars. Um, the, I think the the similar conditions of the bodies, the presence of the bodies in the boxcars, the similar time frame, it does suggest that they might be connected. And also, this is a time when like like hobos and train travel and and just like picking up and jumping on a train yeah. was a, would have been way more feasible and common. I think the, the the depression especially made it really, really easy to just be a drifter without being noticed. Yeah. Because everybody was coming into town and leaving looking for work. And, yeah, it kind of made it desirable to do that because... It was the only option for yeah. a lot of people is to be migrant workers and go everywhere and take what you could get. Hmm. So it kind of makes sense that something like this... All peppered along a railroad, 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 a railroad 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 (laughs) It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? It, yeah, that does. Uh, Like I said, uh, no one was ever charged for those crimes. Uh, No one was ever uh, has ever proven that they were all the work of the Cleveland Torso Killer. But at this point, it's uh, very unlikely that anyone will be charged. Did you you mentioned Youngstown? Did you find anything specifically about that one? I didn't. I saw a mention of it, but I couldn't track down what they were referring to. And maybe that'd be a fun one to come back to for a middle segment. But I didn't. I didn't find a specific on that. Okay. Um, and it's at this point that I switched to our third serial killer, and this one is kind of recent. Okay. And pretty close, and kind of sad. Very sad, actually. So, uh, this is, this is for so me where this gets, like, buckle real. up, buckaroos. Yeah, this is where it goes from, like, true crime to, like, too true crime. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, this, this one bummed me out, to be honest with you. Uh, but I thought it was important to talk about it. Um... And it takes place in Ashland, Ohio. You know where Ashland, Ohio is. Beca- I can't recall. Because we always stop there on our way to uh, Columbus or, or Cincy or anywhere down southwest. It's where the, it's uh, it's where Grandpa's Cheese Barn Grandpa's is. Grandpa's Cheese Barn. Although that might actually not. No, that's the one. Yeah, it's it's the place where the big gas station is. We get off there on, uh, you know, uh, 70, whatchamacallit. Yeah. 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 The big gas station. It's a, it's a popular stop on the way from, uh, say, the Northeast down to, like, uh, you know, Columbus or whatever. All right. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, so I'll just jump into this. This is uh, a, a, a person named Sean Great. Uh, he, uh, to get a sense of who he is, here's a description of him from his own mother. She says, quote, He's good looking, but the devil's good looking too. He ain't <laughs> he ain't got no red horns and all that stuff. You'll find out he's charming, and of course that charm can charm the pants off anybody. Not be nasty, but you just know how it works. 
All right. That's not a description you'd expect from someone's mother about yeah, right? their son. It's like real specific. Specific and like. A little bit lewd. Lewd. <laughs> it's weird. Lewd and like kind of weirdly proud, but also like very honest. Yeah. It's just a strange thing to be like my son is possibly the devil that can charm the pants off everybody. Yeah. I mean, that's someone that presumably knows him pretty well. And right. that's why I wanted to include this before we got started. Interesting. Um, Sean Great uh, was described by the Washington Post as regularly preying upon people who fall between the cracks of society. When you mentioned this is more recent, it's, is when is it? This is within the last two years. Oh, okay. Um, so just the way his mom spoke made me, even though I knew it was recent, made me go, it might how be, recent is recent? Might be part of how I read it, too, to be honest. Could be. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it... it, it to I don't st- know, something about the phrase, charm the pants off. It's <laughs> just really quaint. <laughs> well, you know, I referred to scaring your pants off earlier, so... It's true. That is a phrase that we use, but it's also, I think it's very Midwestern. It is very Midwestern. I would agree. Um, But, uh, so again, to Sean Great, to talk about Sean Great, he may be responsible for the deaths of as many as five women by his own confession. Again, in Ashland, not far away. Um, here's where this story, here's a way of telling this story that makes sense. On September 8th, 2016, a woman named Stacy Stanley, age 43, goes out for coffee. Uh, her son tells this story to people later. Uh, she is last seen by anybody with a flat tire on East Main <laughs> Street in Ashland. And, um, then she goes missing. And while the town is trying to locate her, another woman who is still unidentified also uh, goes missing. Uh, uh, goes missing too, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that she went missing is probably known to people, but her name, as far as uh, where the story is going, is not released by police. Okay. Um, nobody is able to find either of them for five days. Um, a break comes in this case on September 13th. Again, this that's five days after Stacy uh, Stanley is last seen. A phone call is placed to 911. And that call is from this unidentified woman who vanished second, right? Mm-hmm. She says she's been kidnapped uh, by Sean Great, that he is asleep in the bedroom uh, where she also is. No, oh, no. Uh, She's scared. The call comes in around 7 a.m., and it lasts 19 minutes in total. Uh, The call is patched over to the sheriff's department, but the woman doesn't know the address. She's only able to tell them that they are near a laundromat in Ashland. That's all she knows. Um, In that 19-minute call, Mm -hmm. they're able to find her. And you can even hear the police on the 911 call coming in on her end. Uh, where they encourage her to leave the room, right? Mm-hmm. At that point, Sean Great is taken into custody. Uh, when police search the home, they find two bodies. 
one of those bodies is later identified as Stacy Stanley, the woman that went missing five days before. Mm-hmm. Um, the other is a woman named Elizabeth Griffith, who had been missing for an entire month at that point. So there, you said their bodies were found, so they were both dead. They were both dead. They were identified after being found. Um, the unidentified woman that placed the phone call mm-hmm. and that made it out of there says uh, a lot um, in saying that, uh, d- to describe it, d- her phrase was, he assaulted her in every way imaginable. Mm. Um, and I that, haven't heard of this. Like I said, this is like two years ago. I know. How, An how hour I and a half away. I know. That's that's I think maybe part of why this really just uh, upset me as much as it did is uh it's it's so awful and it was right here. Yeah. And like to not even know that it's like it just makes you kind of question uh what what is going on in the world, you know? Yeah. If that can go under my radar, what is happening here? Yeah. I, but, I mean, <clears throat> a lot of things go under the radar for many different reasons. But one is just, like, if we sought out every bad, horrible thing that happened, like... Sure. But you it, just think you would have impossible. heard about this by accident. But, yeah, it does sound like something I should know about already. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Uh, so, <clears throat> like I said, she, uh, she testified that he assaulted her in, in her words, every way imaginable. She also testified at his trial, um, about how she knew him. She, when she met him, she thought he was a clean, good looking, nice guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was really religious and she met him, uh, at the Ashland Salvation Army Croc Center, which is a community center in mm-hmm. Ashland. Um, in the summer of 2016. So this is, you know, within a couple of months before all of this. Uh, they talked and played tennis, and they used to take long walks together during this time. And he intimated that he wanted a relationship with her, but she never let guys into her place mm-hmm. because, again, of the religious thing. Um, she made that clear that she was against premarital sex. Um, she established that with him. She went to visit his place on September 11th of 2016 because he claimed that he had a big bag of clothes from his parents to give to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the next two days, she was trapped there. Uh, he assaulted her many times, the details of which uh, are awful. Um, to speak generally, she... Uh, uh, during this time, she is assaulted, uh, sexually assaulted, restrained, posed, and even photographed. Um, she, he has a taser on him during this whole time, mm-hmm. which she mentions during the nine one one call. Uh, she was bound up the morning of the thirteenth, and only by escaping the binds was she able to place the nine one one call. I just quickly want to say, like, how impressive it is that in that situation, and I can't even imagine the amount of fear that she felt, that she was able to 
get free, call 911 in the same room as her attacker yeah. without right. him noticing and with enough awareness to tell them as many details as she possibly could, what his name was, yeah. and the fact that he had a weapon on him at all times. So yeah. they were aware of that. Like, that's incredible. And I'm sure, basically, she was a captive, and I'm sure that you kind of think about, like, if I can get free, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? But yeah. the fact that she was able to do it in what must have been a very terrified state. It's very careful, procedural, quick thinking. Yeah. To manage to... It's impressive. Yeah, it is. Because it's a really scary situation to be in. Uh, yeah. to, most people aren't able to be it sounds enough like to do all that. Some, sometimes when I hear stories like this, like it sounds like something out of a TV show. Mm-hmm. Not a thing a real human being could do to another human being. It's yeah awful. Um, so... Uh, at the trial, uh, this is later. The trial is actually at the beginning of this year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, video evidence is presented of Stacy Stanley as well, because Sean also videotaped Stacy Stanley while she was <laughs> in his custody and alive. Um, much of this is also corroborated in his own confession. And this is, I think, an interesting part of this is that Sean confessed to a surprising amount of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, On the day of his arrest, he led the police to a house where he claimed that his former girlfriend, Candace Cunningham's body, would be found. They do find her and confirm her identity. Uh, Another woman named Rebecca Lisi, uh, who died in 2015 and whose death was ruled as an overdose, her case has now been reopened based on information uh, conveyed by Sean, uh, who... He confessed to strangling her over $4 that she stole from him at a bar. Um, He claims to also have killed yet another woman, uh, a Marion County woman that was found dead and never identified, but whom he believes was named uh, Dana. That is still not that that case has still not been brought to trial yet, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- these remaining three women, it's expected that he's going to be charged for these as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so <clears throat> to round out the, sh- the Sean Grade story, he was eventually found guilty of murdering Elizabeth Griffith and Stacey Stanley, as well as the kidnapping and uh, assault of uh, the unnamed Jane Doe. And as of September, his sentencing was delayed due to an appeal to the Ohio Supreme Court and further charges, like I said, are likely to arise from the information he provided on the other three women. Mm. I still just can't believe that I hadn't heard of any of it. I know. Again, it's like so close that you would, you would think that you would at least know that that happened. Yeah. But, um, so that's, that's Sean Great. That's the third one on my, on my list. Um, I did mention that I put together an abbreviated list of, killers I didn't do much research on. Mm-hmm. Uh, those include, uh, I have three of them here, Glenn Lee Banner II, who was convicted of the aggravated murder, kidnapping, and rape in the, or uh, two counts of aggravated, aggravated murder, kidnapping, and rape in the Akron area. Um, he, um, he abducted and killed two women uh, in Akron, one in the woods surrounding the Blossom Music Center, 
and one in the city of Akron. Mm. Uh, he was sentenced to death in the state of Ohio. So he has been, he has, his sentence has been carried out. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one was uh, Ed Edwards. I was going to say Ed <clears throat> Edwards I, needs to be mentioned. I, he, I thought he deserved a mention. Um, and um, I didn't want to talk about him because he's been covered pretty well already. Um, um, and, specifically, we saw yeah. him when we, well, we didn't see him. We, we, saw, <laughs> we met Ed Edwards. We met Ed Edwards. Wasn't that crazy? <laughs> um. We saw the My Favorite Murder live show in Cleveland. They have released that episode now, so we can listen to it again. Have they I've really? listened to it, yeah. And I thought I looked for it. I couldn't find it. It's like, pretty like recent. a couple of days ago. I can help you find it. I listened to it okay. last week. Um, it is. He is prolific and very interesting and there's all kinds of weird theories that he could be a bunch of other serial killers like he could be the zodiac killer the the strange thing about it is that there is evidence that corroborates it like it's not just like people being like well he's probably this guy too it's like well he was in that area yeah right so but it's yeah, a little little bit far-reaching for some of those claims but the things we do know he did is pretty crazy. Ed Edwards is really interesting, and you should probably just look him up. Yeah, uh, I don't think I could do any better than uh, than. Uh, well, for example, like you said, my favorite murder. So now that that episode's yeah. out, just find look that. him up or find that live episode. It's the one um, from Cleveland. From Cleveland at the was the, it the Colin. Uh, I was trying to think of the name of the theater. I can't remember it. <laughs> I'm just All making right. noises. Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> Yeah. But look that up. Yeah. Um, third one that I didn't talk about, the Cincinnati Strangler. Um, this is an individual who raped and strangled seven women, mostly elderly between 1965 to 1966. Um, it's widely believed to have been a cab driver by the name of Postiel Lasky, who was only convicted of one of the murders but many people believe he was responsible for the rest. Um, he is dead. He died in prison of natural causes. And I glanced over this earlier, but Ed Edwards as well uh, uh, is dead. He was sentenced to death in Columbus, Ohio. So those three were interesting, but I didn't uh, I didn't have uh, time to talk about as many possible topics as I wanted to. Those are three that you should probably, you know, well, especially Ed Edwards, you should look into. And the Cincinnati Strangler is pretty interesting. Um, the Glenn Lee Benner was only noteworthy in that it happened in Akron, which is very close by. Mm. Um, but as serial killers go, that's uh, that one's pretty cut and dry. So the episode of My Favorite Murder, if you want to listen to it, is number 134, live at the Connor Palace in Cleveland. Oh, okay. So that they talk about... We were in that, that building. Yes, and they talk about the Kirtland cult killings, which is another interesting And if you listen thing. really carefully, you can hear us in there, too. Yeah. Like laughing and clapping. And going... <laughs> Did we woo? No, I don't think... <laughs> maybe quietly to each other, we but I don't wooed. think we loudly wooed. <laughs> This is a weird thing we like to do. I don't know if people who listen to the podcast know that, but we like to go. Whenever there's an occasion to woo, we like to do a weird moo woo. <laughs> moo woo. It started. Who does that moo woo? You do. <laughs> who do? You do. You do. Do what? Remind me of the moo. Moo woo. 
Moo. <laughs> it sounds like a product we need to invent, like the Shiwi, like the uh, Moo Woo. Yeah, or the Gogurt, or the, uh, you know, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Weird kind of rhymey things. <laughs> Moo Woo. Yoo-hoo. Yeah. Oh, man. I want some Yoo-hoo, but it was never that great. It's never What I really want good. is chocolate milk. I have Nesquik and milk. You beautiful man. Yeah. I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> Why do you ask me for these things? Oh, I mean, I want them. I just shouldn't. Uh, so that's it. That's... It's not the entirety of it, but that's all I got. Does it? Does it? This has been a long episode, but we were it making has. up for two weeks worth. Yeah. So two, two hours kinda, is pretty close to our upper edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we kind of that little extra few minutes was just catch up. Yeah. Not to be confused with catch up. No. <laughs> and wouldn't have been. <laughs> I'm tired. Uh, so yeah, let's wrap it up because it is an awfully late night for us here on Goose Chase. Uh, this might be the latest we've gotten. Um, it's really nice to be back. Yeah. You know, it's I I kind of uh, I look forward to the structure of my regular week. Yeah, I do this podcast. I do the dude cast. I have my research nights every other week. I have things that I get used to. And when we don't do this for too long, it's weird. It's nice to have a break every now and then. But also it just devolves into madness if we let yeah. it go for too long. So. We really like to come back here once a week to bum you the fuck out. <laughs> it <laughs> feels that way sometimes. Were you thinking that life might be okay and things are good? Let's talk about serial killers. <laughs> Goose chase. <laughs> <laughs> the ditch the theme song. It's just going to be you going Goose Goose That's pretty good actually. <laughs> Dave is now going to die. <laughs> oh god, it hurts so bad. Your face is really oh, red. That hurts so bad. Yeah, you got to train to sing like that, baby. <laughs> you can't just go out there and do the thing. No, I'm not metal. You got to practice. I'm not metal. I'm a little baby boy. <laughs> you got to do that from the diaphragm. <laughs> I'm a little baby boy. Baby boy. Okay, Satan. Yeah. I'm the devil. <laughs> I'm just a little devil baby. Um, that's kind of an upbeat way to end the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm the devil. I'm the devil. I'm the devil. I'm just a devil. Um, so thanks for listening. We miss doing this for you. Um, we uh will be back in a week, as yes. usual. Christy will be hosting. She will have a topic that is not the one that I talked about, but will be a different one instead. That's how it works. Uh, uh, so it would be weird if I did the same topic. It would be. And then boring. We'd just do this again forever. It would be like Groundhog's Day, but podcast. Yeah, podcast day. Podcast day. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with another Goose Chase. Goose Chase. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at Goose Chase Pod. And our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. 
If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 